0: Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Hey folks, hope you're doing well today. Um, Today we are going to do Matthew part 12 and uh, we are dealing with the temptation. Uh, Last time we were together we looked at verses 3 and 4. And when the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the Lord here is tempted to turn the stones into bread to prove that he was indeed the Son of God. In this temptation, the devil is questioning the deity of Christ, um, that he truly is the Son of God. Um, I think I mentioned last time there's five things that I teach as fundamental to the Christian faith that if you question them, you'd be hard-pressed to call yourself a Christian. Uh, And one of those is the deity of Christ. I give the students an acronym, DAVIS, um, and of course the D stands for deity. That means that Christ is God. Um, Yes, he's the son of God. He's also the son of man, the hypostatic union, 100% man, 100% God. No, I can't explain that, but that's what he is. But we believe he is deity, the second person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing is the atonement. Uh, Our sins in the Old Testament were temporarily atoned for, for based upon keeping of the law and the sacrifices. But in the New Testament, Jesus is the permanent atonement. He is that perfect offering. He made atonement once and for all. Uh, people who uh, waffle back and forth on the issue of salvation, um, at least the eternal security of the believer, I think they struggle uh, with the doctrine of the atonement. Um, and then the V stands for the virgin birth. Uh, Christ had to have been born of a virgin. Had he not been born of a virgin, he would have born, he would have been conceived in sin, born out of and into sin, and therefore been a sinner himself. Uh, It was the immaculate conception that we embrace. Um, Mary was impregnated, not by natural means, but by supernatural means of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that means when she did eventually have relations with Joseph, um, she had never uh, had intercourse. Okay, and to say otherwise uh, would be to deny um, the virgin birth. And without the virgin birth, without the atonement, without the deity, uh, we would be of all men most to be pitied. And then the I stands for the inspiration or uh, the uh, inerrancy of scripture. Uh, The the Bible that I have in front of me right here is inspired by God, every single bit of it. Uh, The Jews say when the Messiah comes, he's not only going to tell us what the words mean, but he's going to tell us what the spaces in between the words mean. Uh, That's where some have got off into Bible codes and things like that. But uh, we believe in the inerrance of Scripture. If you think you found a mistake in here, then you're mistaken. I'd encourage you to go back. I spent a lot of time on college campuses and have for years now. And I've had students come up and tell me uh, that that book is full of errors. And the first thing I do is hand it to them. And I say, well, won't you show me one? And, of course, there's nothing there, but they've been told that by some little knothead professor somewhere. And uh, I tell them, won't you show me one? And I tell them, you better uh, take your own salvation very seriously and not be dependent upon other people. Uh, So the inerrancy of Scripture, it's God-breathed. It's perfect. It's infallible. It's preserved uh, for us today. And then, of course, the S uh, in Davis stands for the second coming. Uh, The Lord's going to come back. I mean, if he doesn't come back, then what's the point? He's going to come back. Now, we can disagree about the timing of that, you know, whether you be pre-trib or post-trib or mid-trib or, you know, pre-millennial, post-millennial or just pan. Uh, Millennial will pan out anyway. Um, Of course, I have my convictions in that regard. Um, but we do believe that the Lord is going to come back in what we call the second coming or the second advent. His first advent was uh, as a child, what wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. His second advent, he's going to come back, in, in the book of Revelation, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and uh, he's going to be coming through that eastern gate, and he's going to, the uh, judgment of the nations is going to take place, and he's going to set up his his reign on earth from the from the nation of Israel. So, um the devil here is questioning the deity, if thou be the son of God. You know, and of course the Pharisees did the same thing. Uh many still question his deity today. There there are sects in the United States that claim to be Christians and yet deny um the deity of Christ. You know, if Christ be not God, this whole book that you and I are reading is alive from cover to cover. Just put it down and go find you something else because uh, if he be not God, then we're lost in our sins. We need to be looking for another savior. And then we looked at how this temptation appealed to the lust of the flesh. The Lord was hungry. And we looked over in uh, <clears throat> First John chapter 2, verse number 15, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, and he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we're going to see that that our Lord in these temptations was tempted by all three of these, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We're also going to see that Eve in the Garden of Eden was tempted by all three of these lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and pride of life and <laughs> we see here in first john you and i are tempted in the same way lust of the flesh lust of the eyes and the pride of life we are all tempted in the same way eve looked at the fruit and saw that it was good for food okay just as the devil tempted the lord to turn the stones into bread and of course the lord turned it and quoted scripture on him the devil quoted scripture out of context, Jesus quoted scripture in context. Many today quote scripture out of context and I'm going to give you a few here and as we're working our way through here but they just give partial scriptures that are pulled off the pages. Uh they're not even taking into consideration the context in which it is written. I was talking to a college student the other day. Um, any good bible teacher is going to interpret the text first and to interpret the text means to do it in the context in which it was written interpret the text look at what's been said before what's been said after that is the proper interpretation of the verse and no portion of scripture the bible says is subject to private interpretation you know um, I get a little humored sometimes when when I'm sad and actually when I'm sitting in a group and somebody reads a portion of scripture and says, well, what does that say to you guys? To be honest with you, it doesn't matter what it says to us. What does it say? It's not subject to private interpretation. It means what it means. The audience that it was spoken to, the context, the culture, Jesus meant it to mean one thing. Okay? Jesus meant it to, (laughs) to mean one thing. What did he mean it to mean when he said it in the context or the apostle or the writer of the epistle. And then at that point, once you get a proper interpretation, it's then you can move into a proper application okay, of of the scriptures. So Jesus always quoted the scriptures in context, unlike the devil, because you can rest the scriptures, the Bible says, to your own destruction. You can make it say something that it does not mean. Um, I was riding by a church the other day here in uh, Lynchburg and, you know, they have their little rainbow flag out and, you know, they got a little sign that God loves everyone dot 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 without exception. You know what? That's true. God does love everyone without exception. He loves all sinners. Um, He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. That's true. But what they're doing and you and I both know what they're doing uh, they're trying to accept sin, is what they're trying to do. Uh, God hates all sexual immorality. It's just we have gotten comfortable living with adulterers and fornicators in our churches. And to be honest with you, our churches are full of them. Okay, they're full of them. You know that all the you know the divorce rate in the United States started to skyrocket at the end of World War II, and it hasn't stopped. And as a church, we've just accepted it as norm. Well, now we're starting to accept other um, uh, sexual moral sins as norm, uh, sadly. But they're still sins. Uh, the sexual immoral sins are adultery, fornication, bestiality, homosexuality, and incest. All of them God hates. God despises. But all of them God can forgive if we would but come to him without trying to justify it. Without, I mean, that's like saying, well, I was born an adulterer. No, you wouldn't. I was born a fornicator. I was born to be incestuous. I was born, you know, you was not born like that. You, there's a decision to be made. You know, I have the ability to go out and do all those sins just like you do. But I have self-control. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, the ability to walk away, to say no. So in the Word of God... Uh, we see the first temptation. And then the second temptation, then the devil taketh them up onto the holy city, setteth them on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, it is written, notice he begins to quote scripture again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Um, So Jesus was being tempted here here to jump off of the highest point of the temple so that the angels uh, would take care of him. Again, the, the, he starts out with, thou, if thou be the son of God, he's questioning his deity. And then he misquotes uh, Psalm chapter 91 and verse number 11. He misquoted Deuteronomy 8 in the previous temptation. For he shall give his angels charge over thee and keep thee in all thy ways that they they shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Uh, that's true. Uh, but uh, he didn't quote the last part to keep thee in or the middle part for he shall give his angels charge over thee. And then he goes to they shall bear thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against stone. But the middle part of that, to keep thee in all of thy ways. Okay. And what that, he left that part out. You see, the angels were already protecting Jesus. Uh, Jesus didn't need any more temptation. Uh, I mean, any more protection, that is, um, as long as he was staying in the will of God. And, you know, and that's the same thing with you and me. Uh, The Lord is constantly watching out over us. He's always, I do believe that there are guardian angels. I think some of our guardian angels are busier than others, (laughs) but he does watch out over us. Now, we still have a free will. You know, uh, Romans 8, 28, for example, this is one of those verses I was telling you before that, you know, is often quoted out of scripture. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Well, have you ever heard that verse? Uh, me too. Unfortunately, that's not the whole verse. Uh, the rest of the verse, similar to "to keep thee in all thy ways that the devil left out, um, the rest of that verse is to them who are called according to his purpose. So yes, God will make things work together for good to those who love God. As long as they are called according to his purpose. In other words, you're doing what he wants you to do. We can go off track and we can do our own thing. We can get out of the will of God. And God's not going to bless that. God's not going to work all that out for your good. I mean, you're going to bring chastisement into your life. And even when you do come back to the Lord and you repent with a broken and contrite heart, which is a wonderful thing, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, even when you do come back, there's consequences to that behavior. There's consequences that will will remain there. So this temptation also appealed to the pride of life, um, but it also... Um, appealed to, um, well, that's what I just said, the pride of life that's mentioned in 1 John 2, uh, to uh, 15 through 16. So you have, he's tempted by the lust of the flesh, and we see that he's tempted with the pride of life, just like Eve was tempted with the pride of life, uh, when the devil told her, it is a tree that is desirable to make one wise in Genesis 3.6. For he knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So Eve was tempted by the lust of the flesh. Jesus was tempted by the lust of the flesh. And guess what? <laughs> you and I are tempted by the lust of the flesh. Eve was tempted with the pride of life. Jesus was tempted with the pride of life. And you and I are tempted with the pride of life every day that we live. So that's the second temptation. And again, the the Lord quotes scripture, uh, Deuteronomy 6, 16, ye shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Well, I hope that uh, that's a blessing to you. Next time we get together, we will look at the third temptation, which is, you guessed it, uh, the lust of the eyes. Listen, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He is working all things out for your good. God bless you.